A moment ago read to us was Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and following. And in that passage, the Savior Himself made the statement to go into all the world and preach that gospel, baptizing the name in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus made that statement, we here at Pippin take very seriously, of course, the opportunity that's ours to evangelize, not only locally, but even in some cases far distant places from here. One of the works that we have supported for quite some time is, over, is overseen by Brother Ron Gilbert, and he's with us this evening to provide an update about that work. Ron is the preacher for the Rock Valley Church of Christ in Tompkinsville, Kentucky, and he's been with them, I guess, about 18 years or so. And as he preaches there, he, for at least what we support, he has made a number of mission trips overseas to Africa and even other places, and specifically the work in uh, Eastern Africa. I believe he's going to share with us uh, much about the detail of his most recent trip to that place. Ron, would you come and share with us about the work there? Thank you, Brother Randy. It's always a joy to be here at Pippin and uh, get the opportunity to visit with you. seems like we just get to do that about once a year, but uh, we're happy to be able to be here. We thank you for the support that you give to our work, and the Lord is greatly blessing the work. It's really growing. A lot of good things are happening. Our Bible Correspondence Course program that we started uh, back just a few years ago, and Sister Linda Hill works with us and does a lot of our coordinating, assigning to our teachers. We have over 150 teachers, I think, that are volunteering to help grade those. We're approaching 30,000 students from 190-something nations, but we have students just all around the world. And then for the past few years, we've been printing hard copies of our Bible correspondence courses and shipping them to several different places in Africa, uh, mainly to the preacher schools who give them out to the local preachers who hand them out to people in their village, and then they turn them back in and they grade them, and we don't have to pay any postage, and the local people don't pay any postage. So we're printing thousands of those and getting them in the hands of people uh, as well. Our distance learning school, International College of the Bible, we have over 400 men enrolled from several nations around the world, and that keeps us busy as well, working with that. We made uh, two trips this year overseas, and Lord willing, We'll be making three next year. We'll be going back to Africa in January, be there most of January and about half of February. We'll be in the nations of uh, Tanzania, Uganda, and Kenya. And then about April and May, we'll be back in Malaysia. And then every year in the fall, August, and part of September, we're back in Zambia working there. And we're going to show you some slides tonight, uh, primarily about our work in Zambia. Uh, we do... Uh, most of our work there, we have four schools that we're working with in Zambia. I'll show you just a minute where they're located. But our base of work when we arrive is Livingston, Zambia, named after the uh, British missioneer and explorer, Dr. David Livingston. And uh, that town is a town about the size of Cookville as far as population is concerned. But there's a preacher school there, and we stay there at the school in nearby hotels, we teach at the school about six hours a day, and then on uh, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, we go out into the bush, the rural area of the country, and we preach and teach uh, gospel meetings, and we have a good, uh, good reception there. In a lot of these areas, we've been going for 20 years, so we've built up a good uh, group of people coming back each year to the meeting, and it seems like the number continues to grow. 
uh, of these gospel meetings. Alrighty, I'm having trouble getting it to advance. There we go. I just probably didn't push it down hard enough. Uh, give you a little, um, give you a little geography lesson tonight. Uh, of course, our kids usually know more about geography than we do as, as parents. But this is uh, the nation of Zambia. And uh, your, your children know this, whether we remember it or not, as adults, a lot of times folks will say something about the nation of Africa. It's the continent of Africa. It's not the nation. Uh, there's over 50 different nations in that continent, and it's the second largest continent. Zambia is about the size of Texas, land-wise. Unusual shape here as it sinks in here, and it's not that wide across through here. You see the neighboring uh, places, but I'll show you on this map of Livingston, uh, or of Zambia rather, here's our uh, hub in Livingston that joins uh, Zimbabwe, uh, Zimbabwe to the, our uh, east and uh, uh, Botswana to our south. Up here at the continent of Africa, you can see that Zambia is it's in the central part of Africa, but it's in the southern part of the central part. If it was just a little lower, it'd be uh, South Africa. But uh, this particular nation, we have a, a preacher school here. We have a preacher uh, training school in Simafumba, which is up in this general area. And then we started one this uh, couple of years ago here in Nguazi. And then up in the uh, Copper Belt, where they uh, get a lot of copper mining, is the town of Salwezi. We have a preacher training school there as well. And then in Baya, Tanzania, this is where we'll be going in January, in Baya, Tanzania, we have a school there. And then here's the nation of Malawi, and the capital is Lalangwe. We started a school there last year, Lalangwe School of Biblical Studies. So you can see uh, four in Zambia and some that are close by in neighboring nations. But we're doing what we can to try to train faithful gospel preachers in the local areas, not bringing them to the United States, but training them in their own home country, and we believe that's the way uh, to do it in the most uh, cost-efficient and productive way. Our first gospel meeting it was in Siamafumba, and this is an area that we started a preacher training school back several years ago. We've probably had uh, 70 or 80 uh, gospel preachers to graduate from that school. Most of those men were just local men, farmers, and uh, they've come to the school, a two-year preacher training school, living at the school, uh, seven days a week, and we do our school year around their planting season. Uh, we don't want to have them at school when it's time to plant the crops or harvest the crop because that's the main thing for these folks. That's their food. That's their livelihood. So we have school being out during those times, and uh, they work around that. But our first meeting here at Semifumba, <clears throat> you can see that the ladies have been very busy uh, cutting the firewood. We have a good gospel meeting there every year, usually around 2,000 that uh, come for the meeting. And all the cooking is done outside. There's no electricity, no running water in this area. And the ladies start several weeks before we get there cutting the firewood and bringing it to the area. In the past, the ladies have walked about a mile from there down to the river that's uh, almost dry, but there's a little bit of water there. And they carry five-gallon buckets of water one at a time back for 2,000 people to cook, to bathe, and do all the things that need to be done there. But uh, this time, we didn't have to do that 
because of a well. Uh, we've been starting a project uh, a couple of years ago that we're encouraging folks that can, if they have some money that they want to donate uh, like a loved one passes away. We've had three situations that have occurred where someone died and the family said, well, rather than flowers and whatever, we want to have a living tribute, a living memorial. We want to give enough money to drill a well. And about $5,000 will drill the well, uh, put the casing, uh, build the little place around it, and sometimes even have a little bit left over, sometimes not so much left over. This particular well, they dug uh, in the front of the school, went down over 300 feet, and it was a dry well, didn't find any water. So they went behind the school and went down about 200 feet and hit a very good well. But we had to pay them for the dry well a little bit. We talked them down, didn't pay them the full price, but we had to pay something because they were there for a long time uh, working. But we got a good well there, and instead of putting the hand pump on it that they normally do, this one has a generator, a gas-powered generator, that they fire it up, and we pump the water up the hill into a tank and then gravity feed it. We're getting so modern out there in Simafumba. I think next year when we go back, we will have uh, a shower, a place that we can shower. Hopefully we'll have toilets that flush, and the ladies will be able to turn a little spigot and get water for the first time uh, ever in that area. So that's a, a living tribute and memorial to uh, this lady. Well, I'm having a hard time getting There it is. It, it advanced. You got another one? Uh, one of the uh, guys that works with the son, his uh, son's mother-in-law had passed away, Sister Carolyn Ann Bray, I think, over around Sparta, Tennessee, and the family wanted to uh, do this. So we're, we're there. They've just <clears throat> dug the well, and one of our instructors is actually putting the cement around the plaque. He hadn't got it finished yet, and we took some pictures of that. So what a tribute to think about. And I was telling these folks, a uh, hundred years from now, people will be drinking good, clean water and seeing the name of the lady that donated that. No telling how many thousands of lives that will save and the good that can be done from that. And also the people in the community able to come by and get the water as well. This is uh, our school building. Well, there you see the well at a distance and the generator uh, there beside of it. And, uh, well... Too many. Let me back up. Uh, this is our school, our, our church building, Sia Fumba. Uh, we have the preacher training school. We have a library cafeteria, and we're building a, a church building for the congregation. There was a congregation up the road a few miles, and one of the instructors that taught at the school was the preacher there, and we wanted to move that congregation there to the school so that the students that live there would have a congregation that they could be a part of and worship rather than just 15 or 20 men get up on Sunday morning and have a worship service all by themselves, they could interact with the people there in the community. So we're moving the congregation down, and they're already a congregation of about 170. So we've got a big building there that we sent them the funds to put the roof on that, and hopefully they'll be finished with that by the time we go over next year. Uh, we've been uh, staying each year when we go over. They put Carolyn and I in a little office and they've been bringing us a little mattress, and we put the mattress on the floor. It's a twin-size mattress, and I, I'm not exaggerating. Both of us can't sleep on our back. You fall off the edge. One has to be on the side while the other's on the back, 
or you'll fall off that thing. And we did that for several years, and I told the men uh, here a while back, I said, I'm getting a little older. I said, it's getting hard to get up and down off the floor on that. So when we came over this year, they had uh, fixed us a bed with a full-size mattress on it up off the floor, and we were really happy to have that. And, of course, you see the mosquito net. We sleep under mosquito net because of malaria, uh, trying to uh, avoid being bitten by those mosquitoes. But it's getting uh, very modern. There's the generator down the hill that you can see. And also one of the things we did uh, a couple of years ago when I was in Malaysia, a buddy of mine <clears throat> brought this baptistry from China. So this thing's traveled all the way around the world. It's got more frequent flyer miles than most of us. This baptistry flew from China to Malaysia to the United States, then back to Africa. Uh, we took that over and fired up the generator and filled it full of water. It's got some little PVC pipes to stick around it. And when the past, when somebody wanted to obey the gospel, again, it's a mile down to the water, very nasty water, run the pigs and the goats and the cows out of the water to do the baptizing. So we put this little portable baptistry together, and you would put the person in the water on their knees, and just uh, the preacher would stand on the outside, and the water's up to them real high, just put their head under Preacher didn't even get wet. They loved it. So we used that thing uh, every day uh, for the time we were there during the gospel meeting. And we hope to uh, have another one picked up in China uh, maybe this year when we go over try to get our brethren to get us another one. All righty. This is inside the uh, church building where we had the gospel meeting. There's an elementary school there that school is out, and they loan us their desk, chairs, and we were able to use those. And the men, uh, mainly, would sit there uh, during the sermon and take notes and have a little table to work off of. Never could get a picture of the whole group that uh, was there because uh, I just didn't have a wide enough angle. But the little church building was just full, people sitting and doing our gospel meeting from about 7 in the morning to about 9.30 at night. Uh, these folks got to hear 30 one-hour sermons and six hours of questions and answers. So that's uh, close to a year's worth of preaching by our standards. <laughs> that's a lot of preaching, more than our uh, three-day gospel meetings with three or four 30-minute sermons. That's a lot of preaching. And I believe that's one of the reasons we have the results that we do. They sure get to hear a lot of lessons. Here are the six men that are the instructors at Siamafumba, School of Biblical Studies. These guys graduated from the two-year preacher training school at Livingston, and I remember every one of them when they were there. I taught them when we would go over. Uh, good men. But then after they graduated from the two-year preacher training school, they didn't stop. We enrolled them in our distance learning program. Every one of them finished their BA degree in Bible, and they finished their MA degree in Bible. So they're continuing to study good, sound, faithful gospel preachers. I wish you could hear them preach. They're good, good men. This is the inside of the church building. You can see behind me there, the walls are not finished. They uh, make their bricks and put the bricks there. They will plaster. They'll put plaster on the wall. And when they finish, it'll be uh, whitewashed and it'll be a little rough texture, but it'll be a, look a lot better. They don't even have the floor down. We still have a dirt floor and no roof, of course, in the building as well. But we're working on that, and hopefully we'll have it next year. Had a little graduation while we were there. Uh, several of our guys that are taking classes with our distance learning program. Uh, it seems like about every year when we go over, 
we'll have one or two or five that's finished all their classwork and we have we'll take five minutes out of our gospel meeting on Saturday and have a little graduation exercise and present them with their diploma and the school pen and they enjoy that uh, a great deal big accomplishment for them they usually invite their family and friends and it's very nice um, this is uh, the Lord's Day Sunday morning and uh, one of the instructors at the school there in Livingston, Brother Webby, you see him over the fire and he's cooking something. He's not making pancakes. He's not making flapjacks. He's making unleavened bread. And we're getting ready for the worship service and they make their own bread. They don't have a store like we do to buy the bread. So uh, his wife and some of the other ladies were up that morning and they were rolling the bread very thin and he made 12 loaves of bread for the worship service that morning. The, the wife uh, kneaded the bread and fixed it and got it together, but Webby did the cooking over the fire and got the bread ready. Now, we can buy grape juice over there now in little containers. We used to have a difficult time getting grape juice, but it's pretty uh, accessible now at most of the grocery stores. This is some of the books in the library there. We're sending books over. This is a project we're working on all the time uh, with books. And people donate funds. We buy books and put them in memory of people in the library. And then we have folks that give us books from time to time. I got a call back several weeks ago from uh, Brother Jody Apple. He's the speaker on the uh, radio program, the, um, was it the Gospel, International Gospel Hour. V.E. Howard was the speaker for a while. Then Winfred Claiborne was the speaker. Brother Claiborne passed away, and now Brother Jody is the speaker. That work's overseen by the Fayetteville Church of Christ in Fayetteville, Tennessee. And Jody called me and he said, uh, we've got a bunch of Brother Claiborne's books that uh, the church here would like to donate to your work to Africa if you would like to have them. I said, well, I'd love to have them so we don't have to buy them. Sure, we'd love to have them. And I've uh, known of Brother Claiborne. I wasn't a personal friend of his, but I've heard him preach and knew him over the years and his work. He's a very faithful, sound gospel preacher, and I knew his books would be excellent. And there's about 12 or 15 different books, and they had a warehouse full of those. So we went over and got um, four pickup trucks, all we could get on the pickup truck, and brought them back. And we'll be sending some of those in the next few weeks, and then we'll wait a few months and send some more, and then we'll send some even next year. But it'll cost around $20,000 to send those books but if we gave a dollar a piece for those books, we probably got $10,000 worth of free books. But we wouldn't have got them for a dollar a piece. Excellent books. And all these schools need those books. They need them as textbooks when they're studying, and they need those books in the library. So that's a big part of our work as well. This is some of the uh, corn, maize as they call it. The white maize is the primary food over in that part of the country. And year before last, they had a drought out in that area, last planting season, they had a pretty bad drought, and we had a lot of folks suffering. Uh, in that part of the world, so, so different from here, uh, our part of the world, if we have uh, a dry season maybe and the guys have to start feeding their cattle early with hay, you'll just sell some cattle. It's not that big of a deal, and you may get out of the cattle business for a few months but over there, when they have a drought, uh, a lot of times they have children to bury because people are literally starving to death. Uh, in Malawi, 
when we were over there, the Malawian government estimates that this drought is so severe, they may have as many as 8 million people that will starve to death. Starve to death due to the drought. And we left over $3,000 to buy the grain with while we were over there. We've sent back a few more thousand. Now, they plant their crops the end of November, so they haven't even planted the crops yet. And when they plant the crops, it rains for a few weeks, hopefully, and then it quits raining. And then when the crops get up closer to maturity, it starts raining again, as the Bible talks about the early rain and the latter rain. And if they don't get the early rain, the corn never comes up. And that's why they have people starving to death. If they get the early rain, corn comes up about that high and dies in the field. I've been over there and see thousands of acres of dead corn about that high, and they don't have anything to eat. That's the main thing. If they don't raise corn, uh, they, don't, they don't have anything. There are no jobs in most of these areas. Everybody's a farmer, and you just raise enough food to feed your family from one year to the next. A bag of grain the size you're looking at there right now, it'll go up because of the demand for it. But right now it's about $6 a bag. It'll feed a family of uh, six for about three weeks. And uh, we are trying to get the money over there to help. We're sending it to two different places in Malawi and two different places in Africa. We send it to the local congregations uh, through the preacher training schools. They'll buy it at the preacher training school, take it out to the local congregations, and then the local congregation distributes it to the folks that are in need in their area. So that's something that we just have a hard time thinking about, don't we? Of having, uh, having children that starve to death uh, and having neighbors and folks in our area, members of the body of Christ, that die because of a lack of food. But that's a big problem in that part of the world. Here are all the preacher students except one. There was one of the guys missing in this picture. These guys will graduate Siamafumba in November end of this month they'll be graduating the Simafumba gospel meeting we had 2016 present now like I said we've been going there for 20 years they know every year we're coming these preachers that have graduated from the school they work they invite congregations we had 63 different congregations present at that gospel meeting we had uh, 36 baptisms and 105 restored that's a, that's a shot of the Zambezi River. If you look real close on the other side, you see a big old hippo standing there on the other side of the Zambezi. Pretty common sight when you're going down the Zambezi. This is Brother Edward Cuckoo. And yes, I'm sure he gets teased a little bit about his name. He's Cuckoo. But he's the director of the preacher training school in Salwazi. I showed you on the map up in the Copper Belt where we have a preacher school there. And Brother Edward wanted to come down and talk with us while we were there. He rode a bus for 23 hours one way to get there and talk with us about some problems and some things that they were trying to do at the school. And hopefully we were able to help them and get some things uh, underway and, and working. We won't get to be with him this year, but hopefully we will here in the next few years. It's very difficult to get to where he is preaching. Our next meeting was at the Masika congregation. We've been going there for several years. This is the home of Brother Patrick, one of the men there of that congregation. He's a little better off financially than most of the folks there. He owns a little dry goods store. He sells blankets and shovels and food and all kinds of things. So he makes a pretty good living over in that part of the world. And 
Each year when we go over, he opens up his home and lets us stay in his house. And we're about 100 yards from his house to where the gospel meeting is held. So we uh, always appreciate him and getting the chance to stay with him and do the meeting at Masika. Uh, we took our portable baptistry with us to Masika. You see one of the teenage girls here that's about to uh, obey the gospel as she's getting in the, the baptistry. We also ship, uh, each year we try to print and ship 200,000 gospel tracts and take them over. And at the end of the gospel meeting, each congregation, we give them a bundle of tracts. And you can also see not only tracts, but on the bottoms here, these are Bibles and New Testaments lined up through here. So everybody will get an armload full or a box full of material. And they're all excited and happy to get it, but that happens once a year. And they'll take those back with them and hand them out probably the first week or two. So they'll have two weeks out of the year that they have tracks to hand out and 50 weeks out of the year that they don't have anything. So we're, we're trying to print more and get them over there to help these folks. They really read those tracks. They're really needed in the area. Here the folks are eating. They divide the congregations up alphabetically. They have five different feeding stations, and everybody knows where to go. They name them the feeding stations, and they're feeding the same food. They try to hurry up and eat and get back and do the preaching. Meeting starts at 7 a.m. of the mornings. They break three times a day to eat and then come back, and like I said, we quit about 9 o'clock at night. So they're pretty efficient with their uh, doing this. The Masika Gospel Meeting, we had uh, 902 present. We had 24 congregations represented, 14 baptisms, and 51 restored. Livingston, the town of Livingston, is bordering there at uh, uh, Victoria Falls, and there's a game park there. So, uh, you know, in this part of the country, I know I try to garden. Sometimes the rabbits come to my garden and uh, ruin my vegetables. Occasionally the deer will come and ruin the vegetables. And over there, the elephants will come. And uh, if the elephants come in your garden during the night, what they don't eat, they trample. So you get up the next morning, your garden is demolished because two or three elephants have been in the garden. And when we go down to the game park, you see those elephants crossing the road pretty, pretty regular. But that's a real nuisance to the folks. Then our next gospel meeting is at Nguese. Nguese is a new school that we helped start. It's a little bit northwest of uh, Livingston. And uh, Brother John Simwese and his good wife, John's the director of the school. And John opens up his house, and we stay at his house when we go each uh, time. We've just been there three times to do a gospel meeting. This is his little house, a little two-bedroom house. And a little congregation of about 50, as I said, this is just our third time to be there. So we haven't developed over the years yet to get a big crowd. We're hoping that it will happen over the next few years, that we'll have more and more people coming. But we wanted to start a preacher school out in this area, much needed uh, area. Oh, I'm going backwards. And uh, we're working to do that. And we had another well that we were going to drill. And the guy that was going to drill the well had put us off and said, well, I'm too busy this week and maybe next week. And he had done that two or three weeks. And, and we had sort of a standing order with him that when he finished, to come on out and drill the well. And it just so happened that while we were there during the gospel meeting, he showed up to drill the well. So we got to see him drill the well. And over there, they call them boreholes. And the 
outfit literally bores. It twists. And they put a new bit on it, and it twists and twists and twists, and they go down. And about uh, 120-something feet, they hit an excellent well. They said, this well will never go dry. And uh, it was an exciting time. When they were blowing the lines out and the water was spraying up in the air trying to get the sand and everything out, the little children were applauding and running around. They were so excited, not just because they had mud and water to play in, because they knew what this meant, that here's fresh, clean water. Uh, the, the brother, he sent us a video the other day. He made three or four short little video things. They only last like three to four seconds. But it shows the children pumping the water and one of them drinking the water and one of them holding a jug under as the other one pumps. And I thought, isn't that wonderful that these kids now have fresh, clean water? You see what's on the ground there? In a lot of areas, that's what they drink. They don't have a choice. And I know a lot of times people in America say, well, I wouldn't drink that. Well, you'd die. That's your choice. You drink that or die. And if that's your choice, you would drink out of some pretty nasty places. But they don't have to now. We've got this nice well there, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. There's the plaque, and like I said, we were there when they were drilling it, so we uh, didn't get to see them put it in the cement and do all of that, but this is uh, Sister Mary Ann uh, uh, Catron. Uh, her husband, uh, they own Spargas in Sparta, Tennessee, and uh, she passed away, and he wanted to do this in memory of his wife, so he gave us the funds to drill this well and this well will be serving the preacher training school, John's family, and the other people there in the community. So there'll be a lot of people getting good use out of that uh, well. We're building a <clears throat> preacher training school there. He sent me some pictures the other day. The roof is on it. They're just about to finish. <clears throat> Over on the uh, <clears throat> left-hand side is a, a classroom. This is a little office. And then there's a little bedroom here on the very end. And there's about three or four teachers that teach at this school. And a couple of teachers live a pretty good distance from the school. So they'll ride their bicycle to the school and they'll sleep there in that bedroom Monday through Friday. And then they'll go home Saturday and Sunday and be with their families. So we're getting that finished. And also out behind it there are the bathhouses and the outhouses that they've just about got ready. So... I think he's got seven students at this preacher training school, and that'll be a, a good work. There's another shot of the brick. They made their own bricks, and they're uh, fixing that building and getting it ready. There's how John used to get the water. He would hook up the oxen to the cart, and they would go down to the river. The river's dry, but there'd be a hole dug down about six or eight feet in a uh, little uh, pipe that they would put in, a little um, uh, drain thing and get the five-gallon buckets of water and put it up and carry the water up with the ox cart. So now they have a pump, and they'll be able to do that. That's so much better. We didn't get our portable baptistry out. This is the typical way that we do when we do a gospel meeting is we take a, a pretty thick canvas, and we dig a hole like a grave and put the canvas in it, and the ladies carry water and fill it up. And then when they get it full, they cut thorn bushes with big old long thorns and they'll lay those on top of the baptistry that'll keep the pigs the goats and the cows out of the water and then when we get ready to baptize they'll pick up the thorn bushes and move them do the baptizing and then cover it back up so that works really well also this is victoria falls and uh, due to the drought uh, usually 
where the water is coming off there, it would run back for a quarter of a mile or so. And I've never seen it so dry in all the years that I've ever been over there. I've never seen uh, such a small amount of water going over Victoria Falls because of the drought. But as you can see there, uh, congregation of about 50, we had 373 for a gospel meeting. That's not bad. Seven were baptized and seven were restored. Uh, this is Kazangula down on the border of Botswana and Zambia. And the brethren there in the process of building a new church building. And we went down. Uh, Brother Webby is up on a beam there doing some welding. And we brought some material down. They're building a new church building there. And uh, we, some of the members of the church there in the community saw us there and came over to visit with us while we were working. Now we're in the nation of Malawi, the small nation of Malawi, one of the poorest nations, one of the smallest by land mass, and one of the poorest nations in all of the continent of Africa, and that's saying a whole lot. And we've had some guys from Malawi to go to Zambia School of Biblical Studies and graduate from the school. And the past four or five years, we've been talking to these men and telling them, now when you graduate and you get back, we want to talk to you. We want to try to help you start a preacher school there so you can train men in your own nation to preach. And they really have an interest to do that. And uh, we working toward that end. Uh, Brother Vingero uh, Gondwe on the far right there. Uh, this is a family shot, Brother and Sister Gondwe and their three sons. But Brother Vingero graduated from the preacher training school. And there's a couple of other men that have graduated from the school. And uh, we got to go this time and fly into to, uh, Lalongwe, the capital, and talk with these men about starting the school. And uh, the school, we're supposed to start in January with the first uh, class. But when we first got there, uh, Brother uh, Gondwe's oldest son is a DJ uh, on a radio station. They have a, a radio station. I don't think they have but one in the whole nation. And it covers the whole nation and some of the adjoining nations. And before I could go to the hotel, he wanted me to come to the radio station and he wanted me to sit down and he wanted to interview me. Why are you here? He knew why I was there, to hold a gospel meeting. Where's the meeting going to be? All this free publicity, nationwide publicity for our gospel meeting. And uh, you're talking about starting a preacher school. Why do you want to start a preacher school? And give us an opportunity to talk about the church and the importance of training faithful men to preach. So that was... Uh, a 15-minute or so interview that he aired on the radio station. The last sermon I preached during the gospel meeting, they taped it. He was going to play it on the air. And as soon as the gospel meeting was over, he wanted to interview me again. And we gave him another interview. How do you think the meeting went? And when do you think this school will get started? And how many men do you think you'll have? And, and what's the difference in the Church of Christ and, and some of the other church? Why, why do you need to start another school? There's already schools here. He's a member of the church. He knows what he was doing, but he was being a newsman and asking the right questions. So it was just a wonderful opportunity for me to answer his questions and people over the whole nation could hear, and it gave us good, uh, good opportunity to do some preaching and teaching. Uh, Brother uh, Austin uh, Gondwe, the father of this group, is in a very unique position too. <clears throat> he is the second man to the Minister of Education. Uh, all the school teachers in the whole nation answer to this man. And I thought it was really amusing. We rented a school building to have a gospel meeting. And 
the head man over all the schools in the nation is there. And we were going to start our gospel meeting at 4 o'clock. Well, we got there a little early. We assumed they would dismiss the school and we could take over the building. But they were afraid their boss was there, that the big man is there, and they were afraid to dismiss one second early because they thought it might be a test to see if, what was going on. So they waited even a minute or two after before they would dismiss the school. But that was a little bit amusing. But he's a, he's a good man, and he's going to help us get the school started. I mean, who would know how to start a school in a nation better than the guy that's uh, the head man under the Minister of Education? So he certainly is in a position that the government will be favorable toward us in helping us get this preacher school started. It's in the capital city of Lalongwe, so it'll be called Lalongwe School of Biblical Studies. should be meeting in January <clears throat> Now, as we said, we arrived on Friday. The brethren had told us, they said, Brother Gilbert, we'll have a good gospel meeting. If you'll come and be a part of this meeting, uh, we'll have two or 3,000 people present. Well, you know, sometimes brethren are a little bit uh, uh, overly optimistic on what we're going to have for gospel meetings. And, and I was thinking, well, this is the first time we've ever had a meeting here. We may not have two or 3,000, but I'm sure we'll have a good gospel meeting. So we definitely wanted to go and work with them. So the ladies on Friday night, they said, well, we won't have as big a crowd on Friday night. So they cooked food for about 600 people. They said, we'll, we'll probably have anywhere from four to 600 people. So they were ready with food for 600 people. 1,500 showed up on Friday night. So you know how that is if you've invited five people for dinner and 15 show up. Uh, that presents a little problem. We left at 10 o'clock that night. We preached till about 10 and left, and there were people still standing in line waiting to eat. They hadn't got their food yet. So there's a little more organized the next day and uh, did a little better. Of course, this is their first big meeting to do, so they didn't know exactly what to do. Uh, Malawi joins Mozambique. Mozambique has been involved in war for several years, a lot of real bad things going on in Mozambique. But the folks that live close to the border cross the border and come over. And we had a bunch of folks from Mozambique. And Brother Webby, one of the instructors from the school in Livingston, is there. And we were recruiting. We think we picked up about 10 students from Malawi and Mozambique combined. So it was a very good opportunity. Had one big loudspeaker up on a tree and then had two box speakers on the ground so the folks could hear uh, the preaching. They built this little brush arbor, and you could put about 600 people on it. I never could take a picture and get the whole group. But you see this picture. If you could imagine two more shots on the left side of that with people in it and two more shots on the right side of that with people in it, then I would have been able to have showed you the group of people that were there for the gospel meeting. More people came on Saturday. And these guys rode their bicycles, some of them from Mozambique and different places. Some of these guys rode 10, 12 hours on their bicycle to come and be there. I couldn't even take a picture and get all the bicycles. I just got over close to them and, and took a shot. I've never seen so many bicycles in my life as we had at that uh, gospel meeting. That was another shot of uh, some of the people out there. Some of the ladies cooking the food, stirring the shima. They had Things looked like boat paddles, and they were cooking in big old cauldrons and getting the food ready and trying to feed that good uh, number of people. You can see in that shot uh, the, the 
speaker is back this side of it facing the folks there and there's one of the speakers on the ground there's another one on the other side then there's one on a tree aimed out in the area where the cooks were working yeah there was a shot of the uh, little podium and brother webby one of the instructors at the school speaking in uh, english and then the other brother there speaking in chewa that's the uh, language when we're in zambia it's Tonga. Up there, the predominant language is Chewa. And there's the three men that will be the instructors at the school, uh, Brother, Brother uh, Vangero, uh, Brother Bander, and Brother uh, Kamwenda. These guys will be the three instructors there at the school as it will be starting in January. They're hoping to have around 15 or so students in the first intake. There's Brother uh, uh, Brother Bander and his father, he helped us a great deal during the gospel meeting. These two fellows on either side of me here, back uh, several months ago, this guy is one of our Bible Correspondence Course students, and he was ready to obey the gospel. And uh, he's, he's in Malawi, and we got to thinking, well, who are we going to send to him? Well, we remembered Brother Joe Max Mateo is one of our distance learning school students. He's working on his master's degree. So we got in touch with Joe Max, told him to go study with this other guy and make sure he knows what he's doing and baptize him. And he did. So we'd never met either one of them. We'd communicated with them, but we'd never met them in person, and they're there for the gospel meeting. And the young guy hadn't been a Christian all that long. He wants to be a preacher. So he's enrolled in Zambia School of Biblical Studies. So when we go over there next August to teach, he should be one of the students there for the next couple of years. He'll be there. There's uh, some of the mountains in uh, Malawi that a uh, lot, lot of mountains and hills in that area. Now, they use their bicycles over there for a lot of things. You see some unusual things with bicycles. You see a guy going down the road with six or eight pigs strapped on the back of a bicycle, 20 or 30 chickens, maybe a couch on the back of a bicycle, uh, hauling grain. So uh, picture in your mind a guy carrying a load of firewood on a bicycle and see if that's what you pictured in your mind. <laughs> That's loaded. He's, he's got some poles coming over his head to keep him from falling off. These guys go out in the forest and cut the wood and bring it into the city and sell it to the folks. They make a living out of selling firewood in an area where they don't have many jobs. But that's a very common scene to see those guys with those bicycles and that much firewood on one. All righty. Uh, this is one of the chiefs of the village. We were looking to buy some land, and they were asking a little bit too much, so we met with the chief and talked to him. And a good location and good land, but we'll just have to hold off on that. There's the statistics from the Longway meeting. We had 3,010 present. We're going back next year. I hope we'll have even more. 31 baptized and 26 restored. We had a great gospel meeting there. Uh, our totals for the trip in 2016, we had 88 baptisms and 189 restored. There's a site that you can't see real good in that picture, but something you don't get to see uh, very often. But there's a group of elephants swimming the Zambezi with their uh, periscopes up so they can breathe. <laughs> They're swimming across the Zambezi. I, we were out, and I got a chance to see that. I, I'd never seen that live and in person, see it on TV. Here's some stats, um, and, and I, I show these and want to share these with you because you're one of the congregations that helps support our work. 
This is not a, a boasting session to, to talk about, but it's a session to say, with your help and the funds that you're giving, we've been able to accomplish some of the following things. Since uh, September 07, when International Bible Teaching Ministry started, with our campaigns and with our preacher schools and with our students we're working with, they have reported 7,502 baptisms, 7,840 restorations, 156 new congregations established, 27,350 Bible Correspondence Course students. We have helped start six preacher training schools. We have helped to graduate 291 preachers from those schools. Uh, from our school, International College of the Bible, we have 407 enrolled from 39 nations. We've graduated 89 from 10 nations. We've made 27 mission trips into 12 nations. And uh, we've mailed over a million gospel tracts and sent over 50,000 Bibles. And I say we've done that. We've done that with your help. And we thank you very much for your help. And a lot of good is being done. Uh, many souls are being led to the Lord. Many congregations are being established. And many schools are being started to train faithful gospel preachers. That's one of our most important things anywhere in the world there's a shortage of faithful gospel preachers. We have a shortage in the United States of faithful gospel preachers. And if our numbers doubled in the United States, what a blessing that would be. But in a lot of these countries, uh, they haven't had schools to train men. There have been no men qualified to do the teaching to train men. So we're trying to send men to the various schools and train them and get them to go back to their home areas and start schools. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul talked about faithful men who were able to teach others. That's what we're trying to do. And uh, we can go over and do gospel meetings, and maybe we can baptize like we did this time, 80 people, maybe help 180 or so be restored. That's great. That's wonderful. But that's just a short fix to the problem. But I thought about this, and I've thought about it a whole lot. What if during our lifetime we can train 1,000 faithful gospel preachers, 1,000, young men, men graduating from these schools in their 20s and 30s that have 20 or 30 years ahead of them to preach the gospel? What can 1,000 gospel preachers do over the next few years? A whole lot more than I can do by going over there and baptizing 40 or 50 or 80 a year, and I'm not going to stop doing that, but that's not how it's to be done. And when I'm dead and gone, those thousand gospel preachers will be training other gospel preachers, and there's no telling how many people will be in heaven because of the efforts of those men. So I think one of our most important tasks is to train faithful gospel preachers and train them over there so that they can train others and more and more schools can get started and they can do the evangelizing. We can't do all of the evangelizing. But they can, and we can train them and give them the books and the resources, and hopefully they'll be able to do that. Well, their greatest need, like our greatest need, is the gospel, salvation, forgiveness of sins. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, your greatest need is salvation. Your greatest need is forgiveness of sins. And that can be found through obedience to the gospel, faith, repentance, confession, and baptism. The blood of Jesus will wash away your sins. You can be added to the body of Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that, we encourage you to do that tonight. If you're a Christian that's wandered away from the Lord and see that there's sin in your life that you need to repent of, we hope you'll do that tonight. If we can assist you in a public way, won't you come forward?
as we stand together and sing.